Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This hearing was a monument to how public service has become so undesirable, no matter what branch of government you work in, because for a long time, these congressional hearings are just outrageous to watch. People in search of these blockbuster moments create a dynamic. Do you want to do you want to get coffee with someone who's yelled the way Louis Gohmert was yelling? You know, no, you don't. How can you work with people? When these moments come up where everyone tries to make a name for themselves, John Ratcliffe was embarrassing. This is Sarah. This is Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Friday episode, and thank you for the many beautiful messages of support and care and love and encouragement that you've sent to both of us for a variety of reasons over the last week. We could not be more touched by this community, and we're so grateful for you. Today, as promised, we are going to get into Bob Mueller's testimony. But first, Sarah, 
I want to just briefly chat with you about deep fake videos. Did you listen to the Newsworthy with our friend Erica Mandy? She was talking about how deep fake videos are made. And these aren't videos like the Nancy Pelosi one, which was slowed down so significantly. There were actual artificial intelligence is used to create something that looks real and isn't. And it is concerning, especially for those of us who are watching years and years, which should be all of us. I'm just going to put in that plug again. Yeah, I had just listened to, or no, I think it was an article I'd read about how they're concerned with this happening to CEOs too, with like not just videos, but deep fake audio where they take their voices and like call people and are like, I'm going to need you to clear out that bank account and send it to me in a personal check. But it sounds like the CEO. So I was really excited to see this interview and listen to it because between years and years and that article, and I'd heard about this before and I've seen, I mean, you can see some of the deep fake they've made with all the footage of Obama. It is bananas. It's bananas. And it's really scary. I think it's really scary. I mean, look at the Democratic field and think about how what a big deal this presidential race is going to be and how disruptive those deep fake videos could be, especially in the hands of a foreign adversary, which is a good transition when we're ready to talk to Bob Mueller. It is. In this interview, which I really recommend, it's very short and digestible. Erica asks about what can we do to be on guard about these deep fake videos. And what kept occurring to me as her guest was describing how you need to look for sort of strange mismatches of facial expressions and things like that is that we, we've all got to spend more time together in person. Mm-hmm. You know, because for something to feel off digitally you must be very grounded in reality. And I, it's so easy to lose that. I spend all day, every day listening to voices because of what we do and because of my coaching practice. And I've really gotten attuned to subtleties in just audio communication. I don't see people that often, you know, in the course of my week compared to working in an office space. I think probably my analysis of what people look like has changed. And it just reminded me that getting out and being with human beings in person as often as possible is really important. Well, here's what I think. I think especially with these deep fake videos and as this technology gets better, we just have to prioritize wanting the truth over wanting to win. Right. We have to decide, you know, I think there's so many people who came across Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds in 2016, that felt off. And you probably thought, this feels off. There was something that like kind of nagged at you. This Something isn't quite right here. And I think for a lot of us, we decided wanting to prove our point or confirm our biases was a higher priority than following that nagging little voice saying, something's not right here. And I hope, you know, from listening to, to really good information like this about the, on the Newsworthy about deep fakes, What we learn is to prioritize that, prioritize the truth, prioritize not being right, but figuring out what's really happened. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out this interview on the Newsworthy. I think this is something really important to educate us on all on, and it's very digestible and it's very short. So check that out. The link's in the show notes. And that about prioritizing the truth and not taking easy wins It's an excellent transition to discussing Bob Mueller, if I do say so myself. My first headline from the Mueller testimony is that when a very experienced lawyer who has investigated foreign adversaries for several decades tells you that he doesn't want to talk to you, best believe him. 
because he really did not want to be there. I think it's really sad. I think I thought about this a lot. I think there's a couple things here. It's not just Bob Mueller's history, but it's also, I think, our most recent history of these sort of blockbuster, highly emotional, highly impactful congressional testimonies. I mean, we had the Kavanaugh hearings. We had Michael Cohen. We had James Comey. So we've all been, you know, sort of primed for a certain type of interaction before these congressional committees. And that's definitely what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting the level of like, I didn't expect Bob Mueller to come up and say like, Donald Trump's a liar. You should really impeach him. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. But he was he stumbled right out the right out of the gate. There was a lot of ums. There was a lot of can you repeat that? There's a lot of and I think we've been talking about Bob Mueller as the, you know, just the pinnacle of professionalism and sort of capability. And so to see him up there struggling a lot to to understand what they were asking him or to find the page in the report. It just it was it was deeply upsetting to watch. I think it was and I just felt like one why did y'all ask him to come here? I can't believe people didn't understand what what the testimony was going to look like. He said he did not want to come. You had the report. I mean, I I understand what they were looking for. I do. And because for better or worse people aren't reading the 400-page report, they were trying to convey that information to the public. Fine. But I think what I'm even madder about is that we asked this man to do to be the special prosecutor to begin with. As old as he is, as full of life as he's had, as much as he's contributed to this country, to drag him and his legacy into this mess. It's I think it's just a reflection of like, well, we've decided only somebody of a certain age, of a certain experience, can be bipartisan because we've told ourselves, especially this current administration, that anybody with a bias, anybody that's ever written a check to a candidate or registered with a certain party that's, you know, under the age of 50, well, they're on a side and they can't be trusted. So we have to go all the way back to people like Bob Mueller for anybody to agree like they might not be biased. Well, it's not about age or life experience, about deciding that it's not that anybody is a totally neutral party is that we believe certain people have integrity, which I believe Bob Mueller does in great in a great deal. And I hate that a man of such integrity that's lived the life that he's lived is ending his life in public service, being blasted because of this testimony and having all these terrible clips and, you know, being just ridiculed. And I just I think it's so upsetting and such a bad reflection of our time. This hearing was a monument to how public service has become so undesirable, no matter what branch of government Mm -hmm. you work in, because for a long time, these congressional hearings are just outrageous to watch. People in search of these blockbuster moments create a dynamic. Do you want to do you want to get coffee with someone who's yelled the way Louis Gohmert was yelling? You know, no, you don't. How can you work with people? When these moments come up where everyone tries to make a name for themselves, John Ratcliffe was embarrassing. But that's what people do. They use these moments to try to elevate themselves and we reward it. That's why we have so many people running for president. Right. A lot of the folks in this race we would not know, but for their performance in these congressional hearings that everyone is dialed into. 
And now we're dragging in law enforcement professionals, people who've worked quietly with a lot of dignity in the executive branch. And mm-hmm. we're saying, you too must be part of this circus. There is no one who could have been appointed special counsel and avoided everything that has been thrown at Bob Mueller. And I think the advantage of someone of advanced years being in that position is that you at least cannot accuse him of trying to get new jobs. And still they did. Still, the president said he actually wanted to be the FBI director. I don't think for a second that he wanted to be the FBI director again. No. But that but that shows you. I don't believe he wanted to be the special prosecutor. (laughs) No. When someone is 74 and they are getting that kind of. You're too ambitious attack. It shows who who would accept this. And then the whole country looks at him and says, you were an awful witness. Well, folks, we don't want Michael Avenatti with that kind of power. Michael Avenatti Mm -hmm. would have been a great witness. Right. All of America would have tuned in for must see TV if he had been in that chair. But that's the wrong personality to wield the kind of power and authority and responsibility the special counsel has. And so, one, I look at all this and think, why would anyone want anything to do with public service the way we treat these people? But two, I think it again illustrated something that you and I've talked a lot about, which is that a prosecutor was probably the wrong vehicle for this entire investigation. Because he, again, was walking the line of, I'm trying to do something that is beyond what prosecutors do, while still respecting the the guardrails around what prosecutors do. I'm reading Jill Lepore's These Truths, speaking to his, who we want having this type of power. And she's talking about the Constitutional Convention and this quote. I read it and I thought, oh, that's Bob Mueller. It says, nothing better testified. She's talking about George Washington, excuse me. Nothing better testified to his civic virtue than his resignation of his command at the end of the war. Instead of seizing power, he had given it away. And I think that, I think he does really reflect that. I think that's why he's chosen. I have to believe that there are people out there in America under the age of 60, who didn't serve in a war, who believe that and who represent that. But it just feels like right now the way everybody performed in that hearing and the way people treated this investigation, that it is. It's only about power. It's only about winning. And we're really lacking, you know, civic concern. I do believe to a certain extent that there are Democrats and Republicans even some in both of those hearings who are honestly concerned about the impact of what Bob Mueller found in that imp- in that report on our security, on our elections, on our country. And I'm really disappointed that, you know, the media seems to learn, I hate to beat up on the media, it's such an easy punching bag, but there's just so much reporting on this like that. Like, this is just, well, what the Democrats wanted, and this was the movie, not the book version, and, that you know, did they get what they wanted, and blah, 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 and none, nothing like, well, what, what did he say that we should be concerned about? What do we say that impacts us all? You know, instead of just deciding that neutrality is only represented by speaking about the parties as if they were teams, but making sure and giving equal coverage to both teams. What if we decided that neutrality was looking at the information and see see what of this informa- information really impacts all of us? You know, but it just, oh God, it was just such a bad manifestation of 
power grabs, partisanship, um, just sort of this reality television approach to politics we have right now. I think another problem, and I don't know what to do about this because the media serves a really important role in sharing this information with people, but the the immediate analysis means the story was already written about what this testimony mm-hmm. represented before it was over. And the right. most impactful part of the testimony that you were just describing came at the very end of the intelligence hearing. The part that concerns all of us as Americans, that should concern all of us as Americans, for our for our long-term future and our national security, came when Will Hurd kicked off a line of questioning that Democrats picked up on to say, hey, what should Congress be doing about Russian interference? Mm-hmm. We've established this conclusively now. What should we do? And that's where, Bob Mueller, you saw some signs of life. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of criticism of him for failing to appreciate the importance of this moment. I do not think he fails to appreciate it. I think his long career has given him a level of contempt, perhaps, for what these congressional hearings have become. And in his unwillingness to be a prop for any party in this hearing, he sort of looked like a punching bag for a while. But when Representative Hurd said, hey, what should we be doing about this? He like set up and you understood why he said yes to this assignment. Because that's where Mm -hmm. all the passion from him was. And he said, you must enable our intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies to work together. You must fund them so they can communicate with one another. You must pass laws that encourage and require them to coordinate their efforts. And that was the meat of this hearing. None of that to say that what President Trump has done and continues to do in his office is unimportant. It is important. But if we led with a discussion that should impact all Americans, regardless of party, that was kicked off by a Republican representative, think about how differently the story would have been written yesterday. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. 
and they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy i do feel like there were moments when the Mueller report um became less of this 400 page behemoth that's sort of a black box and there became some specificity that i think has been missing up to this point i do think the judiciary committee was able to convey he was not exonerated and was able to really go through and put together in a cohesive and understandable way the specific obstruction of justice incidences. I do think that was helpful for any American who was reading it or watching it and not read the report yet. I hope it was. I hope those sort of moments where you see that the president was taking very specific steps to struck justice, in my personal opinion, um, to to um, prevent the investigation. What I don't think is conveyed as well through the hearing, but what you really get the sense of in the report is just how slippery he is to his own people. There's so many moments in the report where they're like, oh, I thought you were telling me this. Were you not telling me this? And he's like, I don't know why you think that. You know, like he's just so it's got to be crazy making to work for him, much less investigate him or try to pin him down as a congression congressional investigator. You know what I mean? And so I don't know. I don't know how well that was conveyed, because in their effort to, well, let me make this really easy for everybody to understand. This is what he did. You can't because it's not easy to understand. That's why Bob Mueller needed so many dang pages, because he's so slippery, because he really does do what Michael Cohen described in his testimony, which is, oh, why would I say that? Like, I would never tell you to do that, even though that's, of course, what he's trying to convey to people. But I do think that there was those issues and that long list of incidences were sort of solidified for people. I hope some of that got across, but I don't I don't know. I'm fearful that 
establishing the facts is not the exercise that needs to be conducted here, unfortunately. Mm. I'm just not sure that many people in America don't believe what is described in the report. Or at least Mm. I, I think most of the country pretty well understands that Donald Trump is not a model of ethical behavior. I feel like people have sorted themselves into different categories, though. One category is he's on my side, so I don't care. One category Mm. is he's not great, but the other side is worse. Another category is something like, yeah, he does that and we need to burn it all down anyway. And I think Then there are those of us who really want to navigate the facts. And then there are people who are like, he's the worst human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. And so let's let's get him right. And there's there's that there's that Mm -hmm. group where we're like all really concerned from different parties and different philosophies and different motivations. But where where we are concerned with what's true. But I feel like that group already knew what was true. And I feel like all the other groups already know what's true, too. I can't find a person who will argue with me about Stormy Daniels. People are like, of course, he, he he did it. He had the affair. He paid her off. Of course he did. Who cares? I think what the argument is in America right now is what is the meaning of this? What is the import of it? Mm-hmm. What should happen now that we've established it? I think a lot of folks are honestly saying things like, well, yeah, Russia interfered in our election. We interfere in people's elections all the time. So what? So it's not I think it's hard because Democrats are so trying to drive home the facts here when I'm just not sure that the facts are what's in dispute. Well, this part really bothers me. And it kind of bubbled up in a cut of the a couple of the Republican question, questions to Bob Mueller. And we've talked about this. I think it is a certain type of mental gymnastics to try to convince the American people that Russia interfered in our election. We should all be concerned. But don't worry, it didn't change a single vote. Right. You know, when you read the when you read the Mueller report, Donald Trump understood from the beginning that people would doubt whether or not he won or not. If we talked about Russia interference as they should. I just feel like when we try to be so careful and they do this in the media, well, we don't know if it changed a, a single vote. Of course it changed a vote. That's absurd. Of course it did. Why would they have spent? It's like saying, oh, well, advertising doesn't affect me. Well, then why do you think they spend billions of dollars on it? Of course it affects you. Of course, them interfering in our election changed people's minds and votes. Now, there was a lot of other stuff, and we can't piece that apart, and we can't prove it decisively. But the careful language and the mental gymnastics of trying to convince people it's important, but it didn't actually affect the election— really upsets me. No, it, of course, affected the election. That's why we should care, because the only people who should affect an election are Americans, not Russians. Um, But because there's and I get it, I get because it's not something we can prove. And it's something very difficult because of James Comey's press conference and a lot of other things. But the idea that this was a fair election in which the American people were presented the information and then chose is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And Bob Mueller knows it. I can promise you that. And we should all think about that. And not because we're going to go back and re-vote, but because we don't want that to happen again. And so I, I don't I don't know that that carefulness with which we all tiptoe around that really, really bothers me. And it's not because I want to. I mean, listen, if I had a time machine, hell yeah, I'd go back. But I think we just have to acknowledge. Yeah. The reason it matters is because it affected the election. 
And that's why the stakes are so high to prevent this from happening again. Mitch McConnell. It's an absurd question to put to Robert Mueller, though, when he is so obviously trying to navigate this role of being a prosecutor, because he did not investigate individual voters' decision-making process. He did not investigate that. Because how would you even do that? How would you do that? And they were already criticizing him for the scope of his investigation, you know. And so then to insinuate that he should have an answer to that question is ridiculous. And it reveals the hypocrisy of the questioning around him, where he's being accused of doing both too much and too little simultaneously. You know, Devin Nunes' line of questioning, which I just can't, you know. Whatever, Devin Nunes. You need to go home. His line of questioning insinuated this is a witch hunt, but it also was not aggressive enough because look at all these people that you did not pursue. They tried to hold him to the language of the special counsel statute, but then ask him questions like, well, why can't you not tell us that this didn't affect any votes? It's it's crazy making. And that's why I am less inclined to be critical of how Bob Mueller handled himself. And I am not inclined to see it as a selfish exercise where he was trying to uphold his personal integrity at the expense of the country, which I know is the line that a lot of people are writing right now. I see it as, yeah, I've seen a lot of that today on social media. And here's how I see it. I am not a very experienced litigator, but I did enough legal work where I pulled quotes from depositions to include in briefs to understand how a trained lawyer who is a very experienced litigator is going to view that person's own testimony. And Robert Mueller knew that a lot of America was watching yesterday, but he also knows that that transcript is going to be poured over by lawyers, poured over, looking for anything that can be pursued. Both parties are going to do that, right? They're going to just dive into every single word he said. So maybe he was confused sometimes, and I can understand why in the pressure of that environment, but it is strategic to ask for questions to be repeated. So that you really understand what's being asked and you're thinking very carefully about how your yes or no answer will look away from the cameras when someone is sitting with the paper trying to pull out pieces to use for their own advantage. You clarify the question for a reason and it is not a made for TV reason, but it's a very real one and one that survives longer than the drama. Look, the truth is, though, what really bothers me about this whole thing is. They would have most likely gotten better answers because nobody believes that Bob Mueller was sitting doing all the depositions or writing that report. Okay, come on. He was, in large part, he he was the leader, right, because of his integrity, because of his experience. But it's not like he was doing the -the on-the-ground work. So to get up there and expect him to have all the answers like he was out there hitting the streets— interviewing Papadopoulos. I mean, come on, y'all. But they didn't want the they didn't want the lawyers. And I'm looking probably at the Democratic side right now because they're the ones in control of this. They didn't want the team of prosecutors. Right. Because that's not good TV. That's they're not going to interrupt. The broadcast or the Today Show to put up the three or four lead attorneys so they can actually answer your question. Right. And they knew that. So you made that gamble. You took that risk. You said, we need Bob Mueller. Fine. Well, you got Bob Mueller. And you should have known. I can't believe for one minute they didn't understand what that would look like or what could happen. So, you know, that's the risk you made. It did not 
I don't think pay off in the ways that you had hoped. If you really wanted to convey the detailed information and the depth of what happened, as reported in the Mueller report, then you didn't need one lonely Bob Mueller up there for seven hours. You could have had some of the other a, a table of the attorneys up there doing that reporting, but you knew it would open you up to all this crap from the Republicans. Well, that haven't you donated to Clinton and haven't you done this and blah, 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 because nobody can have integrity or do their job well if they've ever registered with a political party. So, you know, we've all made this bed and put our tied ourselves in these knots that we can't actually get up there and get answers without it turning into political theater. Yeah, there's no check whatsoever on the questioners. That's the difference between a deposition and yep. what Mueller went through. In a deposition, if lawyers get so out of bounds, you have a judge, you have a process, you have remedies, mm-hmm. you have ethical standards that apply. We have none of that for our members of Congress. Yeah, they could just get up there and lie and imply all this awful stuff about him. Oh, it made me so mad. So they get up there trying to use these legal tools outside of the legal context. And it's really frustrating to watch. I said this in a couple places, and I have to say it again because it's really important, I think. When John Ratcliffe was talking about Andrew Wiseman, one of the lead attorneys on this case, having a decision in his client's favor overturned in the United States Supreme Court, as though that makes him a bad lawyer, that is disgusting. That is despicable. Mm-hmm. It's, it is not how our system works at all. The idea that the Supreme Court and its judgment about a lower court's decision reflects poorly on any lawyer who argued that case, except in circumstances where it's actually about the lawyer's conduct, is absurd and wrong and contributes. We don't need Russia anymore. We're doing this to ourselves, right? We're eroding our own system when we say things like that. And we say them from the dais of a congressional hearing. It is so deeply problematic. I think on the side of telling the story and Bob Mueller as a charismatic witness or not, where Democrats could have handled this more effectively is just leveling with the public in terms of expectation setting. Come out before the hearing and say, this is probably going to be dry and dull. A lot of our work is. The most important Mm -hmm. things we do are boring. But they're important. And that's why we're here doing this for you. And then after the hearing, not trying to spin it as some blockbuster moment, but saying, yeah, that was about what we expected. It was difficult to get through. It was tedious. But that's our work. That's our job. And we're, we're up here doing our job. Well, and I think, unfortunately, political theater is all many Americans believe that Congress sees as its job. Yeah. What they saw is what they think Congress does, right? They yeah. saw that and they're like, yep, that's what Congress does. And I think that's um, the really sad part because I do think there are really, really important um, takeaways from the Mueller report. I think many members of Congress believe that and want to convey that to the American public. But it is a big, messy body and we live in a big, messy political moment. So that's what we got. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement 
and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. This is what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. That's all I want to do when we talk about Puerto Rico. I did it on Instagram, too. I can't stand it. It's just so mm, it's so empowering and energizing. And it gives me such hope. If you don't know, Puerto Rican citizens took to the streets, demonstrated, marched, activated in every way, demanding the resignation of their corrupt governor. We talked about this in the last episode and it worked. I need to learn how to say this is what democracy looks like in Spanish. That's what I need to do. I would like to be able to say that in multiple languages. Puerto Rico's legislature told the governor 
that he needed to resign or they were going to begin impeachment proceedings. And he said, "Okay, then next Friday I'll be done. Well, and all his like ministers were resigning and they were I mean, did you see the photos? They shut down this massive highway. You know, I think the people of Puerto Rico, look, I think so So much of this reporting has revolved around the chat exchanges, and they were offensive, truly. But it's way bigger than that. I think there's so much corruption, and the people of Puerto Rico, D-O-N-E, they're done. They're done. And can you blame them? Between all that awful economic news, having people basically imply that they don't know how to run their government. Meanwhile, they have all these corrupt officials. And then on top of everything else, to have Hurricane Maria come in and just decimate the place, traumatize all these people. I think it was so empowering and such a positive moment for Puerto Rico to be able to, I mean, it makes me tear up a little bit, like claim their destiny, man, like get out there. I think it was amazing. So encouraging. When there are government lies being told about how many Mm -hmm. people died in a natural disaster, that should be the last straw. And I think that that's where this island is. And I think it's right and encouraging. And I would just say, looping back to the discussion we just had, I don't want to get to a place where it takes lies being told about how many people have died in a tragedy to motivate us to care about what's going mm-hmm. on in our government. But that is the direction that we're heading in. I feel like when we are able to justify unjustifiable behavior, yep. when we're able to accept the president of the United States answering a reporter's legitimate question by yelling in her face that she's fake news, we're, we're too far over the line. We're too far over you know, and I, I want to be inspired by what Puerto Rico has done. And I also want to say, I think there is a lesson here for Congress. You know, Democrats right now could be using more leverage than they are with this president, I think. Now, I don't know what the right answers are, and I don't want to be too critical of anyone. That's another thing. Like, we all are good on our Twitter feed at saying, well, this is what you should do. I don't know what they should do. I don't really want Mike Pence to be the president. You know, that doesn't seem like a better outcome than where we are today. At the same time, when you have the country hanging right here before an election about to hit our debt limit, it seems like an opportunity to go to the other side of the aisle and say, folks, we got to get something done here because the money is where things hurt, right? And the money hurts before an election. And why would you not use this moment to say he needs to resign? We need to move beyond this. We'll shut all this down, but he needs to resign. And Mike Pence, we need to be able to work together or the investigations will continue of how you factored into all of this. Because believe that Mike Pence cares an awful lot about Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. And I think if he were approached in a strategic way, and this has to be being discussed somewhere, doesn't it? If he were approached in a strategic way, I think Mike Pence would be very, very happy to assume that chair in the Oval Office. For even just a year. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand why this this moment and I know it's a huge gamble and I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I'm I'm a little surprised that the calculus has been made to work out a pretty sweeping deal on the money in the midst of all this. Yeah, I I don't try to Monday morning quarterback Nancy Pelosi because agree the game a lot the game a lot longer than me. I just think when the story becomes 
they can work it out because it's an election year and there's a lot of money on the line, it just perpetuates people's distrust. It perpetuates the worst narratives we have about our government and the people who represent us in Congress. Instead of saying these people are ready to make hard decisions to do what's best for all of us at great personal political cost, it becomes they're, you know, they just want to win and they don't really care about the future. Look, I, the, the continued spending is really dangerous. Yes. And it's particularly dangerous because our global economy, um, because of Brexit, because of tariffs, because of trade wars, because of escalating tensions in Iran, is in an even more delicate position. And so instead of our leaders saying, we need to make hard choices so that our country is safe, we do the easy thing, which is spend so that nobody has to take a political hit. And that is very simplistic. Look, I'm not, I know that there was a great deal of negotiation, a great deal. And I actually think Nancy Pelosi got more than she gave, which good for her. But, you know, I still think when the 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 soundbite is, well, it's an election year, so they figured it out. See, look, they can get things done when it involves spending your money and not taking a political hit. It's just it's just building on that narrative of distrust and um, disgust with the way the federal government operates. It's so hard to know what the right thing for the country is right now, because I 100 percent agree with you that we have got to just stop spending money as the answer that we keep getting ourselves to the point where we're going to have to shut all the funding off. So let's spend more money to make everybody happy and keep the funding flowing. It is dangerous to not get a deal done on the debt limit. It is dangerous to do a deal that is just passing out more money. It is dangerous to not deal with, I think, the president's conduct and him continuing to be in the Oval Office, seemingly empowered at every turn by the failure to hold him accountable. And I think it is extremely bad for this country to go through a bitterly contested impeachment proceeding. In my mind, the best case scenario is that he resigns. And in my mind, the most leverage anyone is going to have around that conversation is right now facing this fiscal cliff. Again, that speaks so poorly of our politics. It speaks so poorly of where we are right now. And I agree with you that I don't want to second guess Nancy Pelosi. But I do have questions about doing this deal on the fiscal side of the House in advance of elections and not meaningfully addressing the president's conduct in association with that deal, because I don't see another way. I mean, the clock is ticking and I just don't see another way to avoid him just kind of skirting through all of this, which I think is what's going to happen. So we're not ending on that note. Let's take our moment to focus on the positivity and empowering moment in Puerto Rico, because I think what we're seeing in Puerto Rico and I think what we're seeing in Hong Kong and I think what we've seen at different moments in this administration is the path forward. I think making our voices heard, disrupting things, protesting, saying this far, no further. You know, it's not new. It's what democracy has always been about. It's what democracy looks like. It's why we have that chant. So I think 
looking to these moments when and reminding ourselves, because it's so easy, I think, to buy into the narrative that corruption is growing and um, voter suppression is growing and all these. And that's true. It's not that it's not true. But to tell ourselves that the only things happening are bad things and that there are not simultaneous movements and moments of empowerment and justice and change can be anxiety producing and discouraging and it's just not true. And so when those moments can become headlines, which I think is especially rare, we really need to look at those and remember those and tell ourselves that there's not just one story in America. I agree with that. And the other thing that I think democracy looks like is having these conversations in our families and with our friends and not on Facebook and Twitter. This circles back to the deep fake conversation. I think it's really important for us to discuss Bob Mueller's report and testimony in our lives with people and to discuss what's happened Mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico in our lives with people in person, because we can mimic the commentary on television really easily. It is much harder to sit down and really discuss how fragile our electoral system is, how fragile the balance of power between branches of government is. But that that is what democracy looks like as well. It is both activism and that quiet daily work of trying to discern the truth. And I really appreciate how committed our audience is to that exercise and just want to encourage you to keep going. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We will be on vacation next week. We have a really exciting series we can't wait to share with all of you on the constitutional amendments. So often we get in conversations about freedom of speech or the Second Amendment and we skip over the history or there's some we're talking past each other because everybody's not sort of centered on the history or the foundation of these amendments. And so that's what we're trying to give to you and provide to you. So we can't wait to share that series. We think you're really going to enjoy it. We can't wait to get your feedback. We will be back in your ears on August 6th, sharing our thoughts on the next Democratic debate. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.